My name is Randy Howell, and you're listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Welcome to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. I'm Cam. And I'm Robert. In every episode, we're bringing you faith stories and fishing memories from some amazing members of the fishing community. So join us as we shed a positive light on all things faith and fishing. You're muted. <laughs> hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. I'm Cam. Hey, and I'm Robert. And I don't know why I've got so much of a lag at the moment. I, uh, I it, uh, it, it still had me muted from the intro. So, um, we will see. We will see how bad the lag ends up being. Hopefully, there's not too much of a lag in video and audio for me. But, um, but yeah, I. I am back from vacation. Um, had a very busy 10 days of traveling and everything. My son has started preschool. We are starting to get the hang of bedtime again. Things are starting to slow down. We are getting there. How are things going for you, Robert? Oh, man, doing good. Just um, clicking along, fishing some. Open a weekend of dove season was this past weekend. Got to knock down a few birds. Um, just doing the same old, same old, same old. I hear you. Um, seeing if my wife was still doing pottery and if I needed to go take care of the dogs. Um, but um, I'm going to pause the recording real quick and see if I can, if I can go get them to calm down about whatever it is that they're worked up over all right sorry about that i don't it sounded sounds like we got fireworks going on the neighbor's dogs are going crazy our dogs are going crazy so we'll see how it goes um but i don't know who's shooting off fireworks or why but yeah this is going to be a great episode um but yeah robert uh you've been doing any fishing lately uh, yeah, I got to go out a couple times. I guess it's been a minute since uh, it's been a couple weeks. So I think the tournament on Cape Fear was after our last podcast. It was, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was an event um, for me and my son. I, I picked a launch that was about 200 yards uh, drag for the kayaks, which <clears throat> really when I'm only – doing myself that probably would have been fine but having to help him with his and all of his gear for two um it we probably got our boats in like 40 minutes after lines in and we had been there for a couple hours so it was a job to get everything unloaded and uh drug down to where i was launching from and uh there ended up being good fish there but um not quite enough for us both to split but we both ended up doing okay. So I was 10th and Ryder was 11th. So Ryder's my youngest son. Um, <clears throat> and we had a big time. And 
uh, we had something to do that day, so we didn't get to fish the last hour and a half of it, maybe something like that. So uh, I don't, yeah, I mean, that's the, yeah, yeah, that's the story of my life. So, um, but we did good and, uh, you know, caught a couple good fish and learned some valuable lessons and uh, did good. And then this past week, uh, I went by our old stomping grounds and I may have caught that same six pound six and a half pound fish that you caught i don't know we'll have to compare pictures but um that one that i pulled out over there was a definite the biggest one i've caught out of out of there and uh <clears throat> so that was uh that was fun that was uh, unexpected i don't really expect to ever catch big ones there but that definitely that's probably the second biggest fish i've ever caught uh lengthwise for sure uh, it was 22 and three quarters that's the place we've the first time we ever fished together Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, it might be the same fish, but I doubt that fish is still alive, man. Yeah, that one looked pretty rough. This one didn't look real good either, though. So I was like, oh, maybe she figured out how to keep on kicking a little bit. It was definitely an old fish, and uh, the bottom yeah. jaw was all jacked up and uh, had definitely uh, – Was it two, 22 and three-quarter? Yeah, 22 and three-quarter. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I said, yeah, that was a good fish, man. Yeah, it was it was, it was good. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I whenever I went on vacation, uh, so we went to Washington D.C., um, hit up some of the Smithsonian museums, um, Museum of Na- Natural History, um, or Natural History, um, Museum of the American Indian, um, and Air and Space Museum. Went to the zoo. But we went down to the wharf, and whenever we left, um, one of my coworkers said, send me a picture of whenever you catch the big one. And I said, oh, I'm not going to be doing any fishing. He said, oh, I know you will, and I know you'll catch a big one. So I uh, went down to the wharf, saw all the no fishing signs, so I took a picture of it and sent it to him with a crying emoji. <laughs> yeah. um, and then got got home a couple days uh just in time for the tropical storm or hurricane or whatever it was that came through. And um, we lost a little bit of power there for a little while. And um, then my wife and I went up to Chicago for a wedding. So a lot of, a lot of traveling, a lot of back and forth, Um, but it was a good trip. It was a lot of fun Um, and no, no fishing whatsoever. Um, I was going to try to take, my son fishing at some point this week, but I'm like, man, the heat index today was like 111. Yeah, so it was like hot day. Yeah. Like, I'm not taking him out in this mess. <laughs> yeah. I think we got some rain coming in towards the end of this week. And then hopefully it is going to cool down. I mean, it's supposed to cool down when that rain goes through. And I looked at next week and I think we have one day that's 88. The rest of them are either low eighties or I saw a couple of 78, 79, highs at the end of next week so so we're officially in that transition period maybe yeah i'm I'm hoping i'm hoping the grass will stop growing (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so we've got a fun episode we're going to talk about uh about late summer early fall transition type baits um and uh and we are going to talk about uh, a little bit of face stuff too. Uh, I've been having a lot of conversations lately about being hurt by the church. So we're going to talk about um, 
how to how to handle it and and what happens whenever we're hurt by the church. So, um, gonna be gonna be a good episode, a lot to talk about. Um, but let's go ahead and thank a couple of sponsors, and then we will jump jump into jump into it a little bit. A huge selection and crazy fast shipping is already enough to turn heads as an online tackle shop. But Omnia Fishing sets themselves apart with their ambassador program. With Omnia, you can send in fishing reports for your local lakes that recommend baits, structure, tactics, and gear. And when another angler takes your advice and purchases something from your report, you get credit for it to spend at Omnia. The best part means that with Omnia Fishing, you can shop by lake and purchase baits and gear that are proven to work where you're fishing. To get started, go to OmniaFishing.com and use promo code FNF15 to save 15% on your first order. If finesse fishing is your comfort zone, something you want to learn better this year, or just something you like to tie on as a Hail Mary pass, Jade's Jigs has everything you need and more, and it's all eco-friendly and lead-free. With an awesome selection of baits and colors, they've got a variety of techniques covered for you. Finesse Jigs, Underspins, Nico Weights, Ned Rigs, and more are all waiting for you at jadesjigs.com. And while you're there, use promo code FNF10 for 10% off your purchase. That's jadesjigs.com and promo code FNF10 for 10% off. All right. So, um, sorry, I had to wait for it to unmute me again. Um, so let's start off with, with our late summer baits that we're throwing. So like we said, right now, um, we are in the most miserable part of summer. Um, like we're past the dog days and it is, my goodness, excuse me. Um, my, my son had a cold before we went on our vacation and my wife had it in DC and I had it in Chicago. So it's made the rounds. Yeah. Made the rounds. Um, but yeah, so we are like, the last time I went fishing, the water temperature was 93 degrees. Like air temperature, 93 is miserable. And so we are going to be talking about the baits that we turn to whenever the water gets miserable. And then, and then it starts to like, we get in this transition period down here in North Carolina. I mean, where you are, some of this stuff may be completely irrelevant to you. But, you know, here in North Carolina, we're in at the beginning of hurricane season. We've already gone through one. We've got all kinds of different crazy stuff going on. So, um, Robert, what are let's let's kind of go back and forth. What's That's cool. the first the first bait you're turning to this time of year? Um. <clears throat> Let's see. Do we want to go in the order of the first one I would throw when I got there, or probably like my top one? You want to go from top to bottom? Let's go. Let's go. Like, what's your what's your comfort bait? Like, okay. your your, right. your go to this time. Yeah, of so year. that's that's easy. This may not be the first thing I throw, but I'll probably throw it the most, and that is a weightless Texas rig Cinco, um, because we're at the you know we're still in the hot part of the summer. 
Um, it hasn't, you know, we haven't had one cold spell, so we still have a ton of vegetation and, um, you know, I find that the, some of the bass are already moving up and it, it may be just ones that stay there year round too. Um, but I, I feel like that with that weightless Texas rig, you can get up in the junk and get through some of the algae, some of the stuff. And, um, so I think that would be probably my number one, just because, of the usefulness of it and it you're not getting hung up and you can just throw it up in all this vegetation that's everywhere um so that that's what i would go with as you know my top one that i probably throw the most and like i said that, that i probably wouldn't be what i started with i would probably work some of the edges and stuff out in the more clear water but i always find myself up in the vegetation to because i know they live there you know i know i'm going to catch something there um, Absolutely. So. Uh, your go-to colors and what are you throwing it on? Oh yeah. Um, well, go-to colors. Uh, it's really according to where I'm at. I, I feel like some, there's a few lakes that black and blue is what they want and I'll go with that. Um, but other than the, the specific lakes of that, I figured out different colors work more than not. It's just that green pumpkin or like an army green, um, I found one that was black on half of it and army green on the other side of it at any of those darker colors. And then if the water clarity is, you know, a little bit clear, um, like at the river, um, you know, that was some pretty, there's the most clear water I've seen in a long time around here. And, uh, so we had to go with a little bit more natural, um, uh, you know, color there. Um, but that's usually what I'm going with. And then a setup on it, I'm usually throwing that on like an eight pound test, something I don't, you don't really get hung up. You don't need something that's heavy. And I, I'm throwing it on that cash and shaky head rod is what I've been throwing that on. I probably need to, I don't know, maybe try that on that Ned rod that they have too. Um, I know, I think you picked one of those up. I haven't got one of those yet. So um, i switch that in and out with my shaky head because usually this time of the year, unless I'm fishing rocks, I'm not throwing a lot of shaky heads because, because of the vegetation and the algae and I, that shaky head to me is like a magnet for that stuff. And I get aggravated picking that stuff off of there. Uh, but it, you know, if you do have some deeper water, that's rocky, I'll go to that shaky head. But then if that's the case, I'm not throwing the weightless Cinco in that stuff either. So it works out good. I use that rod for both of them. Okay. And uh, you throw in the Yamamoto Senko, or is there another one that you prefer? Um, I, I did have some of those in the boat. Uh, actually, uh, that big fish that I caught, I'm pretty sure it was on a Carolina Bass Company. Uh, he was pouring his for a while, and I had uh, gotten a few bags of those, and I don't know if he's still pouring those or not, but they were Carolina Bass Company Senkos. But I actually... One thing that I like to do is have a few different brands and uh, I like the third eye, which I think somebody else bought those guys. Now it's probably even a different name, but I had a bunch of those. Um, I do like the Yamamoto's. You can't beat the price of the Yum Dingers. I'll buy a 50 pack of those. And if the colors that I use a lot, the black and blue and the, and the green, you know, green pumpkin. Um, but I'll switch up with those, especially not so much on the on the weightless um, 
you know, Texas rig, but if I'm throwing a wacky rig on those, I'll switch up because of the fall rate. So different brands I've found, the fall rate will change. And so sometimes I'll switch from one, you know, black and blue of one brand and I'll put a black and blue on another brand and all of a sudden they like it a little bit slower or a little bit faster, whatever the change is. And then, you know, you can also put a little weight in the end of that if you needed to, too, if you're wacky rigging it. But the Texas rig, it doesn't really matter. Just to think the color matters more and just be a little patient. And once you drag that out of the vegetation, let it fall, let it sit there for a minute. Um, I found if you don't, if it doesn't get picked up when it comes off the edge of the vegetation and you're sitting down there for maybe 10 seconds or so and you pop it one time, if you don't get a bite then, I never get a bite other than that one foot, two foot zone coming out of the vegetation on that. I mean, somebody else might, but the rest of it sitting there is a waste of time. But be patient when it falls and let it sit there. Um, two of the fish I caught last week, um, I, I waited a long time. One of them I was looking, I was doing something else with the pole, and I picked the picked mine back up, and it was on there. And the same thing happened at Harris during a tournament. I caught like that five-pounder there. Same thing. I had actually set that rod down and started rigging something else, picked it back up, and it was on there. So don't uh, discount how much you know that patience plays into it because sometimes it takes them a minute to decide they want to eat that thing. All right. Absolutely. And not to completely disagree with what Robert just said, but my first go-to is a shaky head in this, this time of year. All right. um, yeah. Hey, I like it too. I just, if it's vegetation, I can't, I get, I can't. Yeah. And uh, I will say if, if there is a lot of the algae and stuff, go ahead and switch to something else. Yeah. Because he's right. The shaky head and algae do not get along very well. Um, but what I do is I, I use the owner, um, the owner ultra shaky head or whatever it is that it's got that center pin on the screw lock and a trick worm. And again, like you, you know, black and blue or uh, black or green pumpkin are the two like black and like a, a black of some sort and a green pumpkin of some sort. Um, that, those are the two that I'm, I'm throwing this time of year. Um, and what I, what I like to do is I like to like drag it very slowly. I, I put, put the rod tip right up, have that little bit of a bow in my line and drag it and very slowly pull the rod tip to me and just drag it on the bottom. And whenever I hit something like a rock or a piece of wood or something, I, 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 I hit it and I sit, sit there and I just shake it. And what that'll do is if there's a rock there, the worm will come up like, so, and it'll just sit there like this while it's trying to, um, go up against it. And, um, and so like a bass will look at it, it'll hear that clicking on the rock and it'll, it'll look and it'll see this, this tail sticking up and it's like, got to go eat it. There you so, go. um, if, if you're fishing around a lot of wood or rock, or if you're fishing just a little bit deeper, that shaky head is, is money. And I'm throwing it on the shaky head rod from cash and, and 
12 pound test fluoro is my my go-to for shaky heads so um i am that's my that's my my go-to i would say my my number two this time of year is a crankbait i go on my fish finder find where the bait is like what depth the bait is if i look and i see the bait is is up high and it's in that four foot range i'll probably go with a the dt6 and then if i see that it's in like that that 10 foot range i'll go with like a dt12 and what i want to do is i just want to pull it right underneath that school and um and i have a lot of a lot of luck with with targeting bait balls and and stuff with the with the crankbait this time of year and just throwing it on a uh, if I'm yeah I, I'll I'll throw it on that the one I've got is the element cranking rod that's I think it's seven seven two seven three moderate uh, mod fast action um, and I I really like my icon uh, the six six cranking rod too but. For this kind of cranking, I don't typically. I like to use the long, the longer rod for a little bit longer cast, and I can drop that rod tip down, get it a little bit deeper if I need to. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I I really like those Rapala DT series for anything um, that's not a square bill, pretty much. Um, I'll, I'll throw a rock crawler every now and then too, but. Um, but if I'm not banging up against anything, I want it to be that Rapala DT series and, um, throwing it on 12 pound P line, P line fluoro clear, um, with a probably six speed, six speed reel is my kind of my comfort zone for, for cranking. So, um, I think my, my go-to color is Helsinki shad but that may change depending on water clarity and stuff. But yeah. What about you? What's your number two? Yeah. If I had to say number two going into the, going into the end of the summer and the fall, um, I'm probably going to go spinner bait um, just because they are starting to come back up, you know, a little bit shallow. Um <laughs> But uh, I love spinner bait, so that's why if you're listening, and not watching, Cam made a face like he was so surprised that I said spinner bait. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I have a spinner bait tied on all year round, and uh, you know, I'll throw it to even when I'm not catching something on it. Maybe I just like to see the blades go around. But um, no, I think you know they're coming back up shallow. You know, that's a good. Uh, it's good for me. I, I have good success with it around laydowns and uh, rocks, riprap, um, you know, all your normal places you think you would throw a spinner bait. I, I like to just, you know, put the trolling motor on or, or pedal or whatever and, uh, you know, hit those laydowns with it. And uh, especially at the river, I, I did that a whole lot pre-fishing for that tournament. I didn't have a whole lot of success with it. They were mainly on that tournament. They were hitting – Wacky rig Cinco is about the only thing. Now, tournament day, I caught them on a couple of different things, but um, crankbait being one of them. But there was so much vegetation, I was 
just slow rolling the crankbait. So it was kind of the buoyancy of it was keeping it uh, about a foot below the surface. Uh, so I, I did hook up on one with that. But yeah, spinnerbait and uh, I'm actually throwing that spinnerbait now. I'm using that CK uh, chattergrass rod for the chatterbaits and the spinnerbaits and great spinnerbait rod. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I tried it for that. And uh, so I still only have one of those. I need to pick up another one, but uh, I have to space that out a little bit. I can't, <laughs> there's some other things that, uh, that uh, I needed before I got that. So, um, but yeah. And uh, I think, on that i'm off the top of my head it's probably on like a 12 pound fluorocarbon uh, that's usually i do have some 15 tied on but that's usually if i have 15 tied on it's probably on like a deep cranking bait or something like that something that's going to go through and, and really put some drag on the line but most everything else i'm throwing 12 pound fluorocarbon and then excuse me um you know something that's top water i'm going to mono but um other than that, and I don't throw much braid. I throw braid on my frog rod, um, but uh, I usually just throw either mono or fluoro and roll with it. Okay. What's your number three? Um, that's a good question. So I'm going to have to probably go with uh, – I'm going to have to go with a chatterbait probably. And that, that to me is similar to the spinnerbait. I'm throwing that in all the same places, but you can rip that through this grassy vegetation um, that's around. And, you know, I like, I like that too on, you know, places where you're talking about deep cranking. I've had some success letting that thing go all the way to the bottom and then picking it up off the bottom because you don't have to, struggle so hard to get that crankbait down because I feel like the crankbait and the chatterbait do the same things. The the action of it is similar. And so on those places where you're trying to get that deep crankbait down, uh, it's a lot easier for me. Uh, and I feel like as effective or more effective to slow roll that chatterbait towards the bottom. Um, you know, if you go across and you, and you are using your forward-facing sonar to see those fish. <laughs> that was a little inside joke because we were talking about how much everybody's going ballistic about forward-facing sonar, and, and we weren't going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> neither one of us run it, so uh, we don't even really care. But it's people are going nuts about that. It's crazy. Yes, they are. And uh, and what are you throwing it on? Obviously, uh, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Chattergrass, the CK Chattergrass rod, and and again, that I use twelve pound uh, fluoro on that too. Um, I don't know. I guess some people may use some uh, heavier line than that, but until I have a problem with the twelve pound breaking on all my moving baits, I mean, that's what I'm using. I I don't think ten is probably not going to be. Um, you know, as strong as I would want, but I have good luck with that. I th I'm pretty sure it's Seaguar 12 pound um, fluorocarbon, but um, that's just usually what I 
throw everything on. And then, like I said, if it's top water, I'll go back to that. Okay. Mono. So for my number three, it's, it's more of a like time specific bait, but I love throwing a popper this yeah. time of year, a rebel pop R. Um, I mean, I, I, I love, I love being able to, to get those blow ups on it. And I mean, it's just a super effective bait. Um, I, I throw it and my, my style of fishing it is I throw it as close to a piece of cover as I can get it. And I want to keep it there for as many pops as I can and just give it a bloop. Bloop. Yep. Bloop, bloop. Just give it that. I, I want that, that, that calling, uh, that calling pop or glug or whatever you want to call it. And, um, I have, I got away from it for a while. Um, cause I, I struggled with it in the kayak for a while. Um, but on the bank, man, I absolutely love it. And I've, I've gotten back into it on the kayak too. Um, right now, um, I'm throwing it on the, um, I've kind of gone back and forth between uh, the shaky head rod and the that Icon six uh, six cranking rod. I really like the the six six length for the popper, and I really like that um, that parabolic bend. But I'm not really good at fishing a popper with a bait caster yet just a little bit too light for me and a little bit too weird of a shape um, f for me right now. Um, but I'm starting to get the hang of it. Um, but the popper is something that I like throwing straight braid on um, just because I want it to sit there as long as I can. And every time I try to use any kind of mono, um, I always struggle with line memory. And what that does whenever I cast it over there is it acts like a slinky and it starts coiling back up. And when it does that, it pulls the bait away from where I casted it. So um, I don't have that issue with braid. So I just throw it on 15 pound braid and call it a day. Um, but yeah, I am, uh, I am really, really liking, really liking those this time of year. Uh, color is typically either baby bass or uh, silver or like chrome black back or whatever you want to call it silver with a black back yeah yeah well, the top water was going to be my next thing too and i like i've gotten into throwing um a lot of walking baits here lately as well and that um i think it's a zara zara puppy this is a little, like a three inch, three and a half inch spook. And, um, you know, and the, I like a popper too. There was a, at one point in time, I would go to Harris in the afternoons. Uh, this is when I had a little aluminum boat. And that's the only thing I would throw. What now, this was before the, you know, before all the um, hydrilla was gone. But you could go and you could fish a popper 
all afternoon at Harris and you could catch some chunks on it. Um, especially this time of the year. So I, I, I like that popper as well, but I also like that walking bait. Um, so along with that Zara puppy, I uh, ran across some, um, um, they're sexy dog juniors. Um, and those are a, a chrome looking. The, the Zara puppies that I have are yellow and I like that, but, uh, those sexy dog. I have a sexy dog and a sexy dog junior, and uh, I've caught fish on both of those. And uh, usually on those, uh, for some reason, most of the time it's I have one rod that it's called my junk rod, and it's an old lose Walmart. And I usually keep that in the back of my truck, and that's what I fish. Some if I stop at a pond or whatever i try to have one with me but even on the kayak that's usually what i'm throwing those top water on and it's just for the same reason that you said and it's a uh it's an xfinity spinning rod and I, it's probably six six it's a little bit shorter but um in the kayak for the same reason um you know i just find that it casts those lighter top water baits to me it's easier than using a longer rod and um, it's easier to for the action of that walking bait i can make it walk a little bit better with that shorter rod yeah and um i will i will sacrifice the five feet of casting distance that that i lose from going from a seven two to a six six to be able to walk that walk that better for sure and be and be more accurate because i mean i'm we're I'm not bomb casting that anyway most of the time unless I'm parallel to the bank. I mean, I just, you know, if I, every once in a while I'll be parallel to the bank and I'll want to throw a long one just to cover some water, but most of the time I'm throwing at spots and like you said, up against cl- as close to the grass or laydowns as you can get. All right. So this next one um, for me, number four is – finesse jigs um so um it can it can be something a little bit meatier like a uh like a uh, mr b puffball jig um or it can be something a little more finessey like a jay's jigs finesse jig that's basically a skirted ned rig um and um whenever the going gets tough i've always had luck with that especially on like pressured like park ponds and stuff those are my go-to's um those jage jigs ones and i'll throw a um i think it's the tiny pack of chunk from net baits on there and um man it it is great and then there are some colors that like i'll use it as like a little mini swim jig and i'll throw a like the uh, double tail grub on on the back of it and swim it and those things i mean they work great too um and i'll throw that on the on the cash in uh ned uh, ned rod ned rig rod if it's if it's a really light one um or if it's a heavier one like in that quarter ounce range i'll throw it on the shaky head rod but um but yeah they've they that's what saved my day in the first day of the of the paddle and fin tournament i got that 
16, I think it was like 16 and three quarter inch fish on the Jay's jigs. Um, uh, finesse, uh, I think it's called the polisher jig is what they call it. And it was on the, uh, the cross-eyed cricket color. That's my go-to color. It's a kind of a green pumpkin with a little bit of neon green on it. And if I want to swim it, I'll go with a white one. Um, so yeah, they, uh, those are my go-tos. Um, and I mean, definitely check out Jay's Jigs and Mr. B. Lure Company for, for those guys. They're, they are fantastic. Yeah. And depending on, depending on weight, six to six to 12 pound fluorocarbon. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I never really got into jigs that much. I'll throw some football jigs every once in a while in the summertime, just on some deeper, you know, spots. And uh, sometimes I try to go just throw jigs just to get better at them. And I don't know, admits I've never, I've never thrown them that much. Therefore, I've never caught that many fish on them. I've got yeah. a bunch of them, though. I got a bunch of jigs. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I uh, I keep telling myself I'm going to make them a, a comfort bait this year. They're going to yeah. I'm going to make them a go to this year. And um, I, I will say the those those little basically the skirted Ned rig Ned rigs that Jay's jigs makes whenever I'm going to fish like a public park pond that gets fished all the time, every day, um, like all day, every day, the, that's what I'm throwing on, on there is those, those guys. But whenever I'm on a, on a lake, I, I have caught fish on them. Um, but they're typically not the first ones I pick up, but if I'm having a real rough time, they might be the ones that save the day. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess for the next one that I had, um, I would just go straight Texas rig with the creature bait. I mean, that's something I use year round, but um, I like throwing that up in the junk too. And, um, you know, lay downs, wherever, um, hide that uh, hook tip, you know, in the, in the belly of that. And you can put that thing just about anywhere. And uh, that's another great go-to and um i've been throwing that on the element worm and jig rod um it may not be what i'm supposed to throw it on but it's working well and i like it uh i i, I throw mine uh my texas rig creature creature baits on a worm and jig yeah, rod too that's what I, I mean i figure it's the same action as the one i mean you know it's doing the same thing just a different bait and uh you know, I keep that set up tied on and I can switch it out. And sometimes I'll put a zoom trick worm behind it just to see. And, and you know, maybe that's the precursor. If they start biting that, I'll throw on a shaky head with a zoom trick worm. But usually I have a creature bait tied on that Texas rig. And, uh, you know, again, that's on just the 12 pound 402. And that may be something too that I would, um, you know, upgrade you know if you're going to be in some thicker stuff that may be something that you would want to upgrade the line on but i that's i just use the same until it does me wrong um i've always done that and, and not thrown a bunch of different lines but that may be something i need to explore um but that would be you know another good one as well and uh i don't know what do you what about you you got one you want to finish it up with 
I do. And it's one that's going to surprise some people. And it's one that I don't throw often. But whenever I throw it, it's typically this time of year. And that's the drop shot. And, um, yeah, I... It's not it's not my go to, but it is a um, and I don't I don't fish the drop shot vertically very often. Um, throw it throw it yeah. towards something and work my work my way back. Very similar to uh, very similar to the same way I will a shaky head. Yeah. Um, and you know a um, missile baits bomb shot. Um, it, or a robo worm, um, are two of my, two of my go-tos there. Um, I, I've got a whole plethora of different drop shot baits that I, I have collected and I only throw them, you know, twice a year. So I don't really, don't really go through them very often, but, um, but yeah, the, the drop shot is one that it, it's not a huge confidence bait for me, but it, I have confidence in it this time of year. And it's one that I'll bust out every now and then and end up having a, having a decent day on it. Um, and probably one I should spend more time with, but it's, it's just not my, not my go-to, but um, pretty much anything. Uh, green pumpkin um, or, um, I do like black and I do like pink. Those are my those are my three colors that I just depending on what I'm what I'm looking at. But um, in terms of the weight, uh, I do like a tungsten weight in that eighth ounce range. Um, I'll go all the way up to a quarter sometimes, depending on how deep it is. But most of the time, I'm in that eighth eighth ounce range, um, and I do like a medium light rod six pound test uh fluorocarbon and what hook am i using i don't know what hook i'm using to be completely honest with you i think i'm using uh i think i'm using a, a gamakatsu um that's typically for smaller hooks. Uh, that's typically the one I'm going with. And now that they've got the G finesse hook out, I'm, I'm using that for my Texas rigs a lot too. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's a, a Gamakatsu hook. So, um, I, I do like a, a little bit in that six ten to seven foot range, shorter rod. Um, but yeah, I, have this is the time of year that you'll see me throw in a lot more finesse than any other time of year. I I, I power fish in the winter time more than I power fish this time of year. <laughs> yeah. No, I got you with that. All right, man. Well let's uh let's take a couple more sponsors and let's um let's dive into our next topic. Uh we've got this might be a longer episode, but I did want to mention before we before we get off of there, everything that we have talked about, you can you can go to one of our sponsors in order. Uh, so we talked about the Mr. B Puffball Jig from Mr. B Lure Company. We talked about the Jage Jigs, um, uh, Polisher Jigs, and everything else 
you can pretty much go to Omnia and grab it. So um, I don't know that there's a single thing we've talked about on here that you cannot get from Omnia, except for the the ones from Jay's Jigs and Mr. B. So um, definitely go check them out, omniafishing.com, and uh, use promo code FNF15 uh, if it's your first order. Or not if it's your first order, but you get one chance to use it. So um, it's a it's a one one chance one one chance thing. But go use it, and uh, if you're getting some uh, polisher jigs from Jade's Jigs, um, it's uh, it's it's F and F ten, I think. I think so that's right. F and F and F ten. And then uh, from Mr. B Lure Company, it's also a one-time, one-time use, but it's Faith and Fishing Pod One X One Zero, and that one will get you ten percent off too. So um, go go stock stock up and and grab some stuff. But yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and and get ready to jump into this this next topic here. Mr. B Lure Company is making high-quality handcrafted lures and has been for 30 years right here in the U.S. Using all-metal components, owner and gamakatsu hooks, and silicone or frog hair skirts, Mr. B is pumping out some awesome spinnerbaits, jigs, buzzbaits, underspins, and more, including some of the most unique bladed jigs on the market. To fill up your tackle box, go to MrBLureCompany.com, that's MrBLureCompany.com, and use promo code FAITHINFISHINPOD1X10 at checkout to save 10% on your first order. That's FAITH the letter N, FISH the letter N, P-O-D, so FAITHINFISHINPOD, just like our Instagram handle, 1X10. If a fly rod is your weapon of choice, check out Atollus. Their fly caddy is the most convenient way to get your favorite flies to the water or just keep them handy by clipping it to your hat, truck visor, backpack, rod case, or just whatever. You can also bundle it up with flies from independent fly tires that Atollus has teamed up with through their Fly Light project. Choose from bundles specializing in redfish, carp, saltwater, or freshwater. Head over to atolas.co, that's A-T-O-L-L-A-S dot C-O, to get your fly caddy today and use promo code FAITHINFISH15 to save 15% on your order. That's FAITH the letter N, FISH the number 1-5 at checkout for 15% off. Alright, so... Um this is a this is a topic that has come up a lot in my life recently with a bunch of different people and it's um being hurt by church um so uh a lot of people have a lot of different quote-unquote horror stories to tell um i personally um have being someone who has worked in the church and been very involved in a bunch of different churches i have seen the worst that church has to offer um so i'm interested to to get your take on this robert so um have you have you been hurt by the church and what is what is your like what is your response to i've been hurt by the church um so to answer your first question 
have I been hurt by the church? I would say um, I don't let a lot of things get to me. Um, so I think I think I wouldn't say I'd been hurt by the church, uh, but I did see that firsthand when I was a kid. Um, a lot of people got hurt by the church. What I, it, that I started out in that I got baptized in when I was a kid. And um, <clears throat> a lot of people left that church and, um, you know, and just switched to different churches. Not everybody switched to the same one, but, um, you know, I think at some point in time, if you go to church long enough, you're going to experience that on some level. Um, so, I, I think probably, one of the things that people maybe don't put enough weight on is to keep searching until you find the right church to begin with. Um, you know, if you move or, or, you know, you go through different um, times in your life where, you know, you're, as a kid, if you grow up in, in your family, are Christians, then a lot of times you're going to go to church and you don't have a choice. So you're going to church for all that amount. You move out and you go to college. A lot of people drop off the face of the earth. As far as church goes, you don't see a lot of young adults attending. Um, and then once you start having kids, you get drawn back to the church because you want to bring your kids up in the church. And so all these different times you're maybe starting a church or you're leaving a church for different reasons. If you're moving, going to college or you're moving with your job. And so I think the initial part of finding the right church that you fit into um, and not trying to force something because maybe it's convenient or maybe you have your neighbor goes there or your friend goes there or or whatever. Um, I, I think that's one reason that helps um, not to say you can find the right church and still be hurt. Uh, but I do think that that's a big key of it. If you, if you fit well in the church and you um, find a, a good spot, then I think maybe you're a little less likely to be hurt. And then maybe you're a little more likely to be able to fix that and, before it becomes hurt or even after it is hurt, you're able to repair that and not have to, you know, leave and go. You're so hurt that you have to leave. And we'll probably talk about a few of those things as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, uh, I think one important kind of thing, like thing to, to mention is there's a difference between the church and a church. Um, and, you know, Maybe maybe you weren't necessarily in a church whenever you got hurt by the church, um, but like I said, I've seen the worst that that churches have to offer. Um, I've seen uh, a church tell the pastor that took me under his wing and like and like took me to ministries um, ministry seminars and like really kind of did his best to teach me what ministry was and um whenever i felt the calling for youth ministry he was there for me and kind of really like i said took me under his wing and and did a lot of stuff with me to 
uh, to kind of learn the ropes. He was told that his ministry wasn't doing anything and he needed to leave. Um, I, I got cussed out by a deacon one time because there were black kids in the youth group. Um, I've seen a church split. Um, I have uh, watched a business meeting where the church um, were was very split down the middle and was ready to ready to kick people out over a painting. Um, and so I have seen and experienced some very, very tough stuff. But um, one thing you have to remember, um, you know, the, the saying is that hurt people hurt people. Um, and one of the places where you find the most hurt people is church because hurt people are the ones that are looking for answers and hurt people are the ones hurt people are everybody, right? Like everybody is, is hurt people. And whenever you get a bunch of them in the same place, um, especially a small country church where people take ownership of the church, they say, this is my church. This is my little country church and I want to keep it the way I like it. Yeah. You're going to end up with a lot of difficult things. So, um, like you said, finding the right fit is very important. I think um, the main thing to do is, you know, remove the other person from the equation and, and think, you know, you, you have a choice in this situation um, to get mad at the church, to get hurt by the church or to just have like say this, this happened. Now I'm going to move on. Like maybe, maybe have a conversation with the person say, listen, this is, uh, this is not biblical. This is, this is how this should be done. Or maybe that's not the right situation. There are some people that are not going to listen to anything you have to say. Um, but the important thing is, um, you can choose whether or not to be hurt by somebody. And it is a difficult, it's, it's a difficult skill. Uh, let's call it a skill. It's a difficult skill to learn that kind of thick skin that you have to have to deal with that kind of thing. But at the same time, you have to remember what the church is and what you're there for. If you are there to get something, get get something from somebody, then you're not going to get what you're looking for. If you are there to give something to to God, then you're always going to get what you get what you're looking for. If you are there to get something from God, then what the other people in the other pews have to say doesn't matter at all. So it's a it's a difficult difficult thing for sure. Now, am am I saying that there is there is a situation where um, like is, that there's not a situation where it's okay to leave a church? No, I mean if it's a toxic situation, get out. Like I mean, absolutely, you're, you're not going to fix a toxic situation. Like most of the time, like it's it's been there too long. The the most toxic situations in churches have been there too long and they're festering too long. And um, if you want to read about a lot of them, read the autopsy of a deceased church. Um, 
from um, Tom Tom Rayner. Phenomenal read if you're in ministry in the slightest. Um, it is it's one that it'll get you. Um, but um, but yeah, um, the the other thing is is you know the the hard the hardest part about being hurt by the church is the forgiveness aspect of it because you know as as christians we're called to forgive and uh, forgiveness is not an easy skill to learn and part of it is you know remembering that forgiveness isn't necessarily about the person that you're forgiving forgiveness is more to set you free from the grudge that you're holding than it is to, it can be very freeing for the person also because they may be carrying guilt that for whatever it is that they, they, they did to hurt you. Um, so it, it can absolutely be freeing for them as well. Um, but it's, I mean, it's really so freeing for you. Um, so um, it's a, it's it's part of the moving on process is is learning to forgive now maybe you don't necessarily end up in maybe you maybe you switch denominations or you switch churches or or whatever maybe you never see the person again that that hurt you or the people that hurt you but um but being able to move on from that and and forgive is a powerful thing and um and yeah, it's it's hard to go back to church once you've put the blame of the hurt on the church. Um, but whenever you find the right church, going back to Robert's point, and you you have that sense of belonging and that that fit, um, there's just something about fitting into a particular role or into a particular place that just is special. So I definitely encourage you. Um, and this is coming from someone who is, has, it's been a while since I've been to church, um, in the, uh, in the more physical sense of the word, um, the, the brick and mortar church. Uh, It's been a long time since I've done that. Um, but, uh, a lot of that, is due to other circumstances that I keep using as excuses. Um, but, um, I am, I am definitely going to be trying some more churches soon. Um, I, we feel Henry is getting to that age where it's, it's time to start trying again and, and everything. So, um, looking forward to that, but, um, but yeah, uh, the main, main takeaways from my point is um, it's easy to get hurt by church. If you're making church about you Um, and it is uh, it's very important to forgive once you've been hurt by somebody, whether that be within the church or not. And, um, and keep in mind that these are hurt people and uh, hurt people hurt people. So, um, it's, it can, it can be hard because, you know, this can be something that really affects people that you love or 
it, it can it can really affect a ministry or something like that and yeah it can it can ruin livelihoods and all that stuff but at the end of the day um remember what it is that you're going to church for and who it is that you're going to church for and what it is that you're trying to get out of church and i think that is going to be um that is going to be a big a big part and a big stepping stone in um and not only um not only getting back into church after you've been hurt but um you know preventing further hurt and um and moving on in that forgiveness process yeah i think that's that's a <clears throat> all great points and i definitely agree with you that the forgiveness piece of it is is the hardest <clears throat> and um you know and i think that's one of the pieces of feeling like it, it's a good fit and feeling like you belong. Um, you know, if, if you're not, and I'm not saying go to a new church and then just, you know, the next week you're volunteering for this and volunteering for that. I'm not saying this, I'm saying that at all, but once you think you found the right fit of church and that you've been attending for a while, get involved with the church do at, at some level, um, whether it's helping park the cars or it's a greeter or it's in the children's ministry or it is taking down and setting up chairs or if it's the worship team. There are so many opportunities that may be making coffee. Uh, there's so many opportunities at church to volunteer and be a part of the church, not just attend the church. And I feel like for me, and I have a vested interest in what's going on because I'm part of the, I'm a little cog in that wheel that keeps everything turning. Now I don't care to be a big cog. I I'm cool with just being a little cog in the wheel, but I also feel like that when something is not right, I feel to me like it's almost my duty to say, Hey, I didn't really agree with this or, you know, I, I don't like the way this part's going. What can we do? You know, let's let's come up with a solution to this problem because maybe other people feel the same way. So I, I really feel like finding the right church. And when you think you found the right church, getting involved with with the church to whatever level that you're comfortable with. Also, you know, that really gives you or gives me footing for when I feel like something's not going the way that I want it to, or maybe it's an individual who has, who has hurt me. I really feel like I can say, you know, and that's one of the things I think when, when you've been hurt by the church or a, a person at the church, or, you know, figure out what it is, pray about it, confront the person or the issue and say, Hey, this, this happened. And it, you know, my feelings got hurt or, or whatever. I don't like the way this is going because if you don't tell somebody or tell that person, they may not know what they're doing is hurting you. So if you confront that person, like, Oh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll make sure to pay more attention to whatever issue that is. It's, it's most of the time that, will solve it, you know, and if, if you get different responses, then you have to, you know, choose your 
path on on which way you go, you know, and then after you've confronted them and then, you know, once you give them that forgiveness, when you get up every day, the thing about forgiveness is you can forgive somebody on Monday. And then when you wake up on Tuesday, sometimes I find myself going back to be like, well, I forgave that person, but that still pisses me off. Well, you know what? You really didn't forgive that person yet. If you wake up on Tuesday and you kind of feel the same way you did before you forgave them, you're you're not you haven't forgive forgave them yet. So I, I try to wake up every morning. If I still am thinking like that, I'll forgive them that day too. And you just you keep forgiving them until it sticks with you, and you've actually crossed that barrier to forgive. I'll say this: there there is a difference between forgiving and letting go. Yeah. And um, and forgiveness does not does not necessarily take the hurt away. Um, forgiving doesn't necessarily mean forgetting. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I do definitely agree with that. Keep forgiving. If, yeah. if you forgive them and the feelings come back, forgive them again. Um, and I, I think it's important to to note also um, that sometimes you get hurt by some really, really, really bad things at a church. Um, whether that be a, a pastor that steals money and takes advantage of people or whether that is a, like I said earlier, um, basically getting run out of church, you and your kids because you're black or whether that be, um, uh, whether that be, a snide comment of after the business meeting, whenever there are sobs going around at a church that's getting ready to split and say, well, we got our way, didn't we? Um, whether if, if it's that kind of thing, um, then uh, I think it's important to note that that is not reflective of the church. That is, that is, that is, people uh, doing human things that um, is absolutely not biblical. And uh, so it's important to note that that is not reflective of anything that Jesus taught. Um, so keep in mind whenever uh, whenever you do get hurt and whenever you're going through these things that this just because these people, you know, wear wear Christian as a badge of honor on their ch- on their shirt or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that everything they do is representative of who Jesus is and what He stands for. Um, so, yes, they may be doing something in Jesus's name that is absolutely wrong, but don't believe for a second that Jesus is okay with that. Um, and it is absolutely okay to be upset by those things and to have a righteous anger for those things and to, to feel hurt by those things. Um, Because I guarantee you that Jesus was also hurt by those things, Um, both in his life and whenever it happened to you that hurt him too. Um, So I just wanted to, to say that as well. Um, Don't, don't let, don't let terrible, terrible people who do things, do terrible things in the name of somebody else speak for that somebody. So, um, but yeah, 
Um, did you have anything else to add on that particular particular topic? No, I think that I think we covered that pretty good. I mean, if somebody, if you have any questions or something, feel free to comment, reach out to one of us, and I'm not saying we have all the answers, but uh, oh, I can promise you, I don't. No, <laughs> I know the person. I, I know the one who does, and I can teach you how to pray too. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Um, yeah, I, that's a, that's a topic I can, I can kind of go on for a while with personal anecdotes and stories and stuff, but, um, but it's, it's not, I, I, I feel like what, what has been said is, is the important part. Like you don't need to necessarily hear all the terrible things that I've seen, but you can, you can just kind of go off of, of experience and see what has gone on there and all that good stuff. It just means you didn't find the right churches to begin with. Like I said, when I started this whole thing out, <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> I'm just messing. I just want, I don't want people leaving this episode thinking, you know, Oh, I definitely don't want to try those churches now, but there are plenty of great churches out there. But when you move and you do have to change, you are going to run across some that maybe are not so great as well. And on those, you know, hopefully you can recognize that early enough where you you move to, you know, a different one before you get settled. And if Absolutely. you do, if you do, you figure out how to work through it. And if if it can't be worked through, then you find another find another church. But there are plenty of great churches out there with with great pastors and, and great youth programs. Um, so and great people. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's thank a couple more sponsors and then we'll close it out with prayer. Get outdoors. Pedal and paddle is one of the largest canoe kayak and cycling retailers in the Southeast with a huge selection of kayaks, canoes, bikes, and all the accessories needed to experience paddling and cycling comfortably and safely. Get Outdoors helps to expand and educate the paddling community through their free demos held on local lakes in the Greensboro, North Carolina area. And through in-store clinics and on-the-water courses and demos. And we'll even get your new boat rigged up for kayak fishing for you. Stop by the shop in Greensboro, North Carolina, or check out shopgetoutdoors.com to be wowed by their selection. Few things ruin your day on the water as bad as losing gear, but with the retrieval devices for fishing rods, action cams, bow fishing bows, and more from Savior Outdoors, you don't have to let dropping your stuff ruin your day because you can get it back. The pressure sensitive filter keeps water from rain and quick dips in the water out, but it lets water in when your gear goes overboard to release a float attached to your gear by 60 feet of line so you can get it back. Go to SaviorOutdoors.com to learn more and try some for yourself. And use promo code FNFP15 to save 15% on your order. That's SAVURoutdoors.com and promo code FNFP15. All right, Robert, you want to close us out this time, man? Uh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, dear Lord in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing um, Cam and I to... Uh, talk about fishing and, and talk about the church and hopefully we have uh, helped somebody who's listening and 
help them learn how to maybe deal with some problems that they've had. Uh, please watch over us this week. Please watch over everybody out on the water. Let them um, fish safely and make it back to their families. And uh, forgive us of our sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and, and sign us out, brother. Yeah, man. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Robert. And I'm Cam. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Faith and Fishing is produced and hosted by Cam Steele and Robert Randolph and is sponsored by Savior Outdoors, Jay's Jigs, Get Outdoors Pedal and Paddle, Mr. B. Lure Company, Atolas, and Omnia Fishing. Don't forget to join the Facebook community. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever app you're listening on. That's going to do it for this episode. Y'all take care and God bless.